continuing our study on this topic of being a steward or stewardship. And you remember, to be a steward is, is not to own something, but to be responsible for something that someone else owns. And uh, of course, we've taken time over the past couple of Sundays, and we've laid some groundwork for our study today. Last week, we, we in fact were in Luke chapter 16 as well. We did not get through all of it, so we decided to come back this week and look at it again. But our Lord Jesus Christ is the one who's speaking to his disciples in Luke 16. He's preparing them for the day that they're going to stand before him and uh, they're going to give an account to him. And uh, of course, many of us could name some of the apostles. And of course, outside of his apostles, there were other disciples, other followers of Jesus Christ. And there are many in this room this morning, who I believe there are many disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning. That is, people who are saved, uh, who have been saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgiven of your sins, and um, you love the Lord. You love him. You've received his love uh, for you, and you love him in response. You love his word, and you're seeking to live a life that's pleasing to him on this earth. You don't always do that, nor do I. Um, we fail along life's way, but he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and to restore that fellowship with himself. And so very similarly to these disciples who were gathered around Jesus in this day, and there were more than just disciples, by the way, gathered around him. But much like those disciples who were gathered around Jesus during this time when he was speaking to them in Luke 16, um, we have gathered together today to hear the Lord speak to us by his spirit through his word and to prepare us, to equip us to someday stand before him. And uh, every one of us who are saved, the Bible teaches that we are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and we're going to each one of us individually give an account to God for what we did with what he gave us or what he entrusted into our care. So I'm going to give an account to God for my wife, not for her actions, but for how I took care of her. I'm going to give an account to God someday for my four children that God entrusted into my care. I'm going to give an account to God for the finances that God entrusted into my care. I'm not going to give an account to God for the finances he entrusted into your care, but what he entrusted into my care. Possessions. I'm going to give an account to God for possessions that he entrusted into my care or or the length of my life. I'm going to give an account for that. Um, Many of you are not going to give an account to God as a pastor because God did not call you to be a pastor. But but I'll give an account to God for that, uh, how I pastor. And and so each one of us have been given or entrusted by God different things. Right different length of life, um, different trials, different tests. We've each been given different tests, um, different amounts of finances and wealth. And, And each of us as believers are going to give an account to God for what we did with what he entrusted into our care. And so the question is, are we being faithful stewards? Are we being good stewards of what God has entrusted into our care? When I say we, that sounds like a corporate thing. 
But again, I tell you, I'm not going to be standing with you when you give an account. Uh, you're going to give an account individually before the Lord. And, and, and my heart's desire, and I really believe this was the Lord's desire as he spoke to his disciples on that day, and it's my desire today, is that we would take the truths that Jesus is giving us and allow these truths to change us where we need to be changed while we can still change, and that we would be good stewards of what Jesus Christ has given to us. Um, society, the society in which we live, says this. You've, you, you've earned your money, spend it any way that you choose, and you'll be happy. Is that true? How many of us like to spend money? Yes. Uh, how many of us have things, it may not be a list written out, but we have things, <laughs> a list in our head of things we'd like to purchase, you know? And, and we have things that are, that are realistic things. There are long-term lists, right? Uh, there are goals. We all have some of those things. Uh, we have those lists and things like that in our minds. But, but happiness does not come with stuff. In fact, sometimes with more stuff comes greater burden. Um, certainly comes greater responsibility. With more stuff, with more um, leadership, with, with more stuff, possessions, money, comes greater accountability. We're accountable for more when we stand before the Lord. Um, so scripture says you can only be content if you have been a faithful steward uh, handling money from the Lord's perspective. So the only way we can be content is if we've been, if we're a faithful steward in handling what God has given us. That's where contentment comes in. That's where peace comes in. That's where joy comes in. That's where even happiness comes in. Not in the amount that we possess, but what we do with what God has entrusted into our care. And so how are you doing with what God has entrusted into your care? Uh, he hasn't given me your job, your employment, uh, but he's, he's put you there. How are you doing as a steward in that place. Look at our text, Luke chapter 16. I'm going to read back through it. Um, it. There's some challenges in this text, and I imagine last Sunday as we were looking at it and reading it and studying it, and you heard me preaching it to you, there were some questions that came to your mind. I hope you have not just set those questions aside. I hope you've taken them to the Lord and laid them out before him and said, God, teach me on this matter. Let's read it again, beginning in verse 1. This week, I'm going to read all the way down through verse 14. Look at verse one, he says, and he said also unto his disciples, so his followers, there was a certain rich man which had a steward and the same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. He'd been irresponsible. The steward had been irresponsible with the goods of his master. Verse two, and he, the master called him and said unto him, how is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship. For thou mayest be no longer steward. And so he was going to be fired. Verse 3. Then the steward said within himself, What shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot, I cannot dig to beg. I am ashamed. I am resolved what to do. That when I am put out of the stewardship, they, uh, the debtors to his master, they may receive me into their houses. 
And so he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, an hundred measure measures of oil. And again, that's that's about three years wages. Okay, hundred measures of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So he's giving him a discount. You see it. Verse seven, then said he to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, an hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, take thy bill and write four score. So that's about eight to ten years wages, okay, uh, is how much he owed. Verse eight, and the Lord commended the unjust steward. Why? Because he had done wisely. And the word wisely means shrewdly. Um, the master was impressed with how, what kind of care this unjust steward or um, unfaithful steward, how serious he had gotten about taking responsibility for his future. Okay? He was impressed by that. And that really is at the heart of what Jesus is trying to teach us. He's not teaching us these things so we can get serious about our retirement necessarily, or our lives on this earth uh, in taking care of ourselves financially. What he's what he's telling us is, I'm impressed with those who get serious about someday standing before the Lord. And notice what he says in verse number verse number eight, the middle part. He says, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Many people in our culture today, they put out more effort, more thought. They're more serious about preparing for life in this life than God's people are in preparing for eternity. Now, how long does this life last? Well, it varies, right? Um, the Bible talks about someone who's blessed living a life of three, score, and ten. That's 70 years of age. Anything over that, it's a bonus. You know, um, The lifespan of a person has changed throughout, throughout the existence of mankind. Uh, sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's less. We don't know how long. This, this life, the, James talks about this life being uh, a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it's gone. It vanishes away. And, and Jesus is saying the people of this world sometimes put more effort and are more serious about laying up treasure on this earth than God's people are laying up treasure in heaven. And how long is, is, uh, is heaven for God's people? Forever. Forever. So how we live today what we do with what God has given us in this life, which is like a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away, will last for eternity if we, if we live for the Lord. But if we live for ourselves, for that which is temporary, uh, we will lose eternal reward. Look at verse number nine. He says, and I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness that when ye fail... So when this life ends, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. He that is faithful in that which is least is faith, faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. 
If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, or um, possession, stuff, finances, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, he says in verse 13, for either he will hate or detest the one and sacrificially love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon or wealth or possessions. You can't serve God and wealth. Now, remember... Some of the so there's some some of the godliest people in the Bible were wealthy people. So this is not a matter of Jesus is not calling out anybody who has stuff. And I speak to many this morning who are wealthy. You say, well, I don't know. Pastor Fergus said, I don't have this. I don't have that. No, no. As Americans in this world, in our day, we are a wealthy people. We have much. We have much. And I know sometimes we, get, we can get caught up in our society as Americans and comparing ourselves to other Americans. And, and we can think, well, they have this and they have that. Look what they drive, look where they live and all those sort of things. But in, in the society of that is the, our world today, we are wealthy people. So I speak to you as wealthy people. We have. God has entrusted much into our care. But look at verse 14 and then we'll pray. There's another group of people. In verse 1, you see he's talking to his disciples, his followers. Then in verse 14, he talks to another group of people, and they're called Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees, who are they? Well, the Pharisees were very religious. They looked very religious. They behaved very religiously. Um, They tended to be arrogant. Um, They thought highly of themselves. Um, Even though they were religious, they were not followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were not disciples of Christ. And look how they respond to what Jesus said and what he's saying. Verse 14, and the Pharisees also who were covetous heard all these things and they derided him, Jesus. They scoffed. Now, that, now, this is interesting. Now, I don't know who's under the sound of my voice this morning. Some, Many are saved. Many of you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Many of you are disciples of Jesus Christ. The words that Jesus is giving us are incredibly helpful to us. They are, they are light to our paths. Okay. There might be some under the sound of my voice this morning, and you do not know the Lord as your personal Savior. And... Uh, or maybe you do know the Lord as your personal Savior, but you're struggling in your walk with the Lord right now. You're not, you are saved. Heaven is your home. You've been forgiven of your sin, but you are not following Christ in your life. And I got to tell you, if that's you, you're really going to struggle with Jesus' words. And that makes sense, doesn't it? If, if a person is not following him, when he speaks to us, we're, that person's not inclined to say, okay, yes, I'll follow <laughs> Why? Because they're they're not following. And so these Pharisees, they scoffed at what Jesus said. And isn't it interesting in the Bible, it tells us about them a little bit. What does it say about them? They were what? They were covetous. Um, 
I believe it's Colossians that tells us that covetousness is as idolatry. And that gets to the heart of the matter, too, as American citizens. This whole matter of where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. It really comes down to, it is, is my treasure the Lord? Or is my treasure my life and heaping to myself stuff? Because if my treasure is, is things, then I'm going to struggle with God. But if my treasure is the Lord, he can bless me with things, stuff, a long life, and I'm still going to love him. And I'll use everything that he's entrusted to, into my care for his glory. So either we can be covetous, always wanting what we don't have, never having enough. Talk about frustration, too. An idolater, not worshiping God. Or we can worship the Lord. He gives us stuff. We enjoy it. We give it. We use it. We live it. Uh, we use it to live, but we worship the Lord. Let's pray, and we'll explore this passage a little bit more. Father, help us, I pray now, as we look at your word. This is, it's kind of offensive, Lord, in some ways, because in our flesh we want to claim everything that we have as ours. We own it. We can do with it what we want. We shouldn't have to give an account to anybody. And But Lord... Our, your Holy Spirit within us tells us that is not the truth. And so there's this struggle within us. There's a battle. Lord, I pray for Trinity Baptist Church. I pray for each individual under my voice, whether they are old in life, whether they are young, a teenager. Lord, I pray that we would love you and worship you and not our stuff and not our things. But may we use what you've given us and entrust into our care for your glory. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now, if a steward has one responsibility, what is it? And the answer to that question is that he would be found faithful. A steward, as a steward of, of God's possessions, we need to be found faithful. First Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So we could ask ourselves the question. I asked myself this question. Seth, are you being found faithful with what God's entrusted into your care? Full of faith. That's what the word faithful means, right? Full of faith. What is faith? Faith is taking God at his word. Am I found as a steward of all that God has entrusted into my care, am I following scripture when it comes to my family, um, my wife, my children, uh, as a pastor, my possessions? Am I following scripture? That's uh, to be a steward is required of us as stewards that we be found faithful. A good steward is faithful with all of his resources. Not just 10%. You know, here's here. And this was, I think, the Pharisees attitude. You know, we're going to give we're going to give some tithes. We're going to pay certain uh, amounts of money for sacrifices. And that's for the Lord. But then all the rest of our lives is for us. You know, do what you can do. Get away with what you can get away with. Live for today. And, and that was the attitude of the Pharisees. And Jesus is saying, no, 
um, I want all of you. I want, I want all that you are. I want you to worship God with all that you are. And so our management of finances really demonstrates what we love. If we are handling our possessions as faithful stewards, our character is being built. If we're unfaithful, our character is being torn down. Richard Halverson said it this way, and I thought he said it pretty well. He said this, quote, Jesus Christ said more about money than any other single thing because money is of first importance when it comes to a person's real nature. Money is an exact index to our true character. Through scripture, we find an intimate correlation between the development of a person's character and how he or she handles money, end quote. So money really reveals and stuff really reveals who we are. Um, I think most of us would like to say, well, this is who I am. I, I love the Lord and my character, my integrity is sound. And, uh, and I, am, uh, I wholly follow the Lord. Money reveals what we love. Do, does, it, does it reveal that we love the Lord or does it reveal that we love ourselves, that we love this life more than we love what God has in, in store for us? So it's a test. And we see that in this passage. I'm going to give you three thoughts this morning. Number one, it's a question. Do you have a gospel concern for others? Look at verse nine. He says, and I say unto you. Make to yourselves friends of the mammon of unrighteousness, that when ye fail, they may receive you into everlasting habitations. I think the best understanding of this verse is simply this. Invest your money, invest your life, invest your possessions in the souls of men and women who will someday greet you in heaven with thanksgiving when you arrive. Don't just live for this life. Am I investing myself in seeking to win people to Christ? Am I investing in uh, others, missionaries, uh, who are seeking to win people to Christ? Am I having a partnership in this? In Matthew 6 and verse 33, the Bible says this, Jesus said, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. The food and the drink and the, the clothing, all that, God will take care of all those things if you and I seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. Now, we, we live in a generation of people who are very caught up in worrying about possessions. And it seems to me that we have a greater abundance available to us of possessions than any other previous generation. Most of us have machines that reduce our household labor, right? Our children are well-clothed and well-educated, and our life expectancy is beyond God's promised 70 years. We have insurance plans and retirement plans. We have disability plans. We have unemployment plans. And yet, I think it's very possible to be so caught up in making more money and buying bigger and better things that we could lose focus on the spiritual needs of the unsaved. And God's words, God, God's word asks us, or it keeps asking us the same question. 
Are we seeking first the kingdom of heaven? Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? And Jesus is teaching. He's saying, if an earthly-minded, conniving, cunning, crude, crafty steward does what he needs to do with the resources available to him to secure his temporal future, how much more should you and I, who have, et- who have an eternal future, use our resources to plan for eternity? I don't know that most of us in general are good at planning for a temporal future either. <laughs> we tend to, it's natural to us we want to live for the now, today, and not giving much thought to the future. So what we keep, and this is what Jesus is saying, what we keep, we lose, and what we give to God, we keep forever. Colossians 3 and verse 2 says, Set your affection on things above, not on things above. On the earth. Think about think about those words. Set, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. He's warning us. Don't make a mistake. This would be a very bad investment to invest in the temporal and not to invest in the eternal. That would be a terrible, regrettable mistake. And so God is concerned and he's dedicated to the salvation and discipleship of the souls of men. And we see that. Has he not sought each one of us out? Are we not thankful for that? We praise him for that. And and we have an opportunity to partner with the Lord in in light of what he desires. Um, Lay not up for yourselves treasure upon the earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. He says, lay up treasure in heaven. And there's coming a day when our lives are going to end. And on that day, our our money fails. We can't take it with us. It won't help us at all anymore at that time. We'll be separated from our earthly possessions forever. And and many of us who are saved, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to find out if, if any of it was used to Purchase friends who are there to welcome us when we arrive. That's what he's talking about in verse number verse number nine. And so I say to you this morning, uh, use your possessions for eternal purposes. Use your life for eternal purposes. There is a, a sister in Christ who no longer is a part of our assembly. She's gone home to be with the Lord. And it, it was recounted for me on several occasions in, from her own lips before she passed. She would, you know, when I would ask her, you know, how are you doing? What's the diagnosis? What's the prognosis? What's the, what's the plan? And, and she would make comments like this. She would say, it's another opportunity for me to give another doctor the gospel. It's another opportunity for me to meet some more people in, in the medical field world who need to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And and later, after her passing, I was told by a her one of her doctors that this was her heart. Uh, by her husband that this was her heart. And uh, her husband recounted for me how how he would overhear her telling medical professionals about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in her situation, here's a sister, one of our sisters in Christ, who's actually using cancer to lay up treasure in heaven. 
And, and I say that that's an extreme example, I suppose. But if our sister in Christ can use cancer to lay up treasure for heaven, can can each of us not use if, if she can use the worst of things to lay up treasure in heaven? Can you and I not use the good things that he blesses us with to lay up treasure in heaven? And or other things, other opportunities that God gives us. You know, endless personal accumulation of stuff is sinful. It is wasteful. It robs us, it robs us of eternal blessing. In Luke 6 and verse 38, he said, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that ye meet, or that you give with all, it shall be measured to you again. Again, these are words of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, give and it shall be given unto you. And at the end of that verse, he says, with the same measure that you give, you're going to receive. And maybe there's some of us here this morning and we would say, you know what, Pastor Ferguson, just being transparent, but I don't seem to receive very much. And I would ask you, do you give very much? Are you stingy with your giving? And again, I'm not, I'm not necessarily talking about finances or money. I'm talking about you. Our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, gave himself. He gave himself. That was the cost of our salvation. His life, he gave himself. When missionaries come, we had a young couple with us in September um, going to a place that most of us would say, I'm not even sure it's responsible to go there. You know, it's it's not necessarily illegal to be there, but it's dangerous. And and you saw some of the pictures of some of the living conditions and things like that. And some of us were just kind of taken aback. They're following their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And God hasn't called all of us to go to that place but he has called all of us who are saved to follow him, to follow him. Take what you have. Take who you are. Take the uh, education that God has given to you. Take the experiences of life that God has given to you and entrusted into your care. Take your children. Take your family. Take your resources. Take your knowledge, your wisdom, and your expertise. And I say to you as God's children, as the followers of Christ, follow him. Use it for his glory. Don't be stingy. Don't hold it back. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. You will not regret it. We will not regret it. So number one, do you have a gospel concern for others? Number two, are you a faithful steward? Are you a faithful steward? This is a sobering question. Seth, are you a faithful steward? Are you being, and I'm speaking to myself, am I being a good steward of what God has entrusted into my care? Am I holding back? Am I being careless with? Am I not taking care of? And, and, And these are questions that each one of us need to answer. Look at verse 10. He says, he that is faithful in that which is least, in that which is little, is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least, 
is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, if you haven't been faithful with your money, that's what Jesus is saying, or your tre- your earthly treasure, who will commit to your trust the true riches, spiritual treasure? Verse 12, and if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now that's interesting in verse 12. If I'm not willing to be faithful with that which God has given me on this earth, in this temporal life, which could be 43 years or it could be 75 years or whatever this, but it's limited, limited resources, limited life. Who, how could I expect that God would entrust into my care eternal riches or reward someday in heaven? And in our study on Sunday nights about eternal rewards, we learned that salvation is by grace through faith. It is a gift. But the rewards that are laid up for us in heaven are something that we earn. Something we actually have to work for. They're based on what we do. Our salvation is not based upon what we do, but what Jesus Christ has done. He paid the price. He suffered our death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So salvation or the forgiveness of sins to be made righteous, to, to, be, to be brought into the family of God, that is given to us by God and is, it is through us believing upon Jesus Christ for salvation, plus nothing. But rewards, eternal rewards. That's based upon what we do. And, you know, every one of us have been given different abilities. Um, Some of us are not going to be accountable for what we did with our singing voice because we don't have one. You know, and some of us aren't going to be given. We're not going to give an account for a large amount of money because we weren't given a large amount of money or as large as maybe somebody else. But each of us are going to give an account for exactly what God gave to us. What are you doing with what God has given to you? Are you faithful? Are you full of faith? Are you considering your children in light of the word? Um, I asked Pastor Phelps this morning, how's Quinn doing? You know, I said, has he rolled over at all or anything like that? You know, he's getting stronger. And and my mind coming back to my children and I remember one of them rolled over for the first time, and when they did it, it was in an absolute fit of rage. You know, they were just like bowing their back and their head, and their whole back came off the bed and just flipped right over. Like, wow, what an athlete! You know, they were just they were just angry. Um, but but when you know, parenting is not easy. Each one of them are different. Each one of them are different. How do you respond here? What do you say here? You know, what, what I can say to one works, and what I say, if I say the same thing to another, doesn't work. You know, how do you, how do you, how do you parent? Well, if I'm going to be a faithful steward parenting, I have to look to the Word of God for direction. If I'm going to be a faithful steward as a parent, same thing in our marriages as a husband and a wife. We same thing in business. You can look to the Word of God. The Word of God is rich with business principles. 
a man who would look to the word of God and follow the word of God will find himself successful in the business world. Okay, successful in finances by looking to the word of God. So are you a faithful steward? Are you looking to the word of God in your stewardship? Um, does God consider you to be a faithful steward? Because that's really what matters most. I could say, you know, I am being a faithful steward. I'm more faithful than that guy. It really doesn't matter. It's, it's what, what does God say about Seth Ferguson? What does God say about you? Because it's his opinion that will be the truth. And it's his opinion that will decide whether you are rewarded or whether you lose reward. So right now, where you are, is it obvious in your life that you're being faithful? Or would you say, and we've all been there, would you say where you are right now in your life, are you being unfaithful? You're not following the word of God on some things. And it's going to cost you. Eternally, it'll cost you. Not hellfire, not punishment in that sense, but, but a loss of reward. You see, the amount we possess isn't the revelation of our character. The revelation of our character is what we're doing with what we currently have. If we're self-indulgent, if we're consumed with material things, if we're irresponsible with the little that God has given to us, then we'd just be more of the same if we had more money. So it's very personal, very personal. Not only is what we do with our money an indication of our faithfulness or our unfaithfulness, but our use of money today has implications on our eternal reward. And that's what he was talking about in verses 11 and 12. If you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, Jesus is literally talking about money. He says, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? And, and I guess we could ask ourselves the question, do we really think that God is going to reward us in eternity if we have been unfaithful with what he has entrusted to our care in this life? If we are continually buying for ourselves endless junk and trinkets and creature comforts and earthly possessions, all the shallow, corrupting, temporary things that burn up, and when we come into the presence of the Lord, do we really expect him to give us the true riches, literally the true things, the eternal reward that comes to those who are faithful? The Bible teaches that God is going to reward those who are faithful. Do I really expect him to reward me if I'm unfaithful? We, we live in a culture today where, you know, if our child... It's not even a matter of if there should be tryouts, our child should make the team. Have they ever picked up a bat before? No, but they should be batting fourth. You know, um, can they catch? No, but put them at third base, you know. Um, and, and of course, they should win a championship, too, you know, um, and they should get to play and start and, and all those sorts of things. And that's kind of part of our society today, you know, participation awards. And I'm telling you, and there is a bit of a warning to this. It's not going to be the awards. The rewards in heaven are not participation based. Those missionaries who 
followed God's call. And they went where no one else was willing to go, who were faithful to the word of God. Some who suffer rejection or maybe persecution, they are going to receive a rewards according to what they have done. And the, the judgment seat of Christ is a place of reward. It's a place where Jesus Christ himself is going to say, well done. He is going to praise those who have been faithful. Uh, he was tempted in all points like as we are and yet without sin. He knows what we go through. Are, are you being faithful in, in the temptations that you face? For those who overcome those temptations, Jesus Christ someday is going to look at you and he's going to praise you for overcoming those temptations. And those of us who did not overcome those temptations are not going to receive the same praise. Do we understand that? Are we being faithful stewards? Are we being faithful stewards? I think the, the tragic irony to all of this is the more that we heap upon ourselves in this life, the more we live for materialism in this world means the more that we will lose out on in eternity. And the more that we invest in the kingdom of heaven and miss out on in this life is the more that we will receive or the more reward we will receive and enjoy for all of eternity. See, the true riches are not here. And that is, and that is a simple truth, but that is a hard one, isn't it? There's something in this that goes, it glitches. It's like a little glitch in our brain. When I say that the true riches are not here and we go, I'm having a brain freeze. You know, I, I can't seem to, okay, right. What's there again? You know, we look all around us. We're surrounded by riches. We're surrounded by wealth. We're, we're surrounded by glittery things that catch our attention and draw us away. And we think, wow, these are so wonderful. Uh, but these are not the true riches. These are not the true riches. The true riches are over there. 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18 says, Look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal but the things which are not seen are eternal. And again, everything we have is stewardship. It's not just the money that we give to God. It's not just what we, uh, what good we may do here and there along life's way. Everything that we have belongs to God. Uh, even the food that we eat, the, the drink that we drink, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says that, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. Where all of us who are saved are going to be in heaven someday. And I look forward to that day. But all who are saved are not going to receive the same reward. And that shouldn't be, it's sobering. That, it should be sobering, but it should not be a discouragement. It should not be a discouragement. That should be an encouragement to be faithful, to keep being faithful, to grow in our faithfulness, to look back at some things and go, oh, what was I thinking? 
I've got a list of those things. We all do, but I can grow in my faithfulness. I don't have to be, my entire life does not have to be characterized by one or two or more than that decisions that I've made in the past. I can grow in my faithfulness. So number one, do you have a gospel concern for others? Number two, are you a faithful steward? And finally, number three, do you love God? And this is at the heart of it all. Look at verse number 13. He says, no servant, no servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one, and the word hate means to detest, and love the other. And the word love is agapao, so this sacrificial, intentional love. Either he will hate, detest the one, and sacrificially love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. That is to think against, to detest, despise the other. Ye cannot serve God in mammon. You cannot serve God in mammon. I'm trying to teach my children. I want us as a church not to detest God. That's not a surprise, is it? But the reality is this. If I love stuff, I'm going to detest God. He's going to get in my way from living my life for me because he will not share his glory with another. He is the Lord. He is supreme. He is God. He is the creator. He is the maker of all. He is the giver of life. He is and will rule someday as king of kings and lord of lords. That is who he is. And he, and, he, and, he, and he warned Israel that they were not to have any other gods making themselves graven images and have other gods before him. No, he is the Lord and he is a jealous God. And if I'm going to be covetous and I'm going to continually be making idols of all of these different things and living life for material things, he is, he is opposing me at this point. And I'm opposing him. We're in opposition one of another. And, and there would be a detesting. And he, and he talks about that in verse number 13. You cannot, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve God and you can't serve stuff. You're either going to hate the one and sacrificially love the other, or you're going to detest the one and you're going to cling to the other. Have you ever found yourself there where you're literally, it's like you're clinging to something. Figuratively, you're clinging to your stuff. And it's like God's having the guy, he's got you by the feet and pulling you. And you're like holding on to it, you know, and it's slipping through your fingers. And it's, there's this struggle that's happening. You know what I say to us? Let go of it. Now, being a good steward doesn't mean I, I, I'm, I fritter it away. No, that would be a poor steward. And there are other principles that we'll get into when we talk about this matter of stewardship. But let go of it in the sense of stop worshiping. And run to the Lord and worship him. Live for his kingdom. Live his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. They will follow you. You can't lose them. 
if you will live and love the Lord supremely. And you can actually, in a sense, send them on ahead. Now, not you're not going to get a credit card when you get there. You know, did that transfer over? No. Okay, no. But you can, as he talks about in this passage, you can be greeted by those that you invested in eternity. You can send it on ahead. Did you know that it's possible to fear God and uh, and not serve him, by the way? We're afraid of him, but we don't do his will. There's a passage in the Old Testament. Jesus was, or the Lord God was talking to the people of Israel. And specifically, he was talking about fearing him. Uh, he was talking to them, too, about the other nations around them who were not, who they did fear God. They had a fear of God. They knew who the true God was, but they did not obey him. Listen to this in 2 Kings chapter 17. And I'll read in verse 40 uh, and 41. Listen to what it says there. It says, Howbeit they did not hearken, but they did after their former manner. What was their former, former manner? Other gods, they were very materialistic as well. Um, covetousness, idolatry. And, and, and God tells the people of Israel, these other nations, they did after their former manner. Verse 41, it says, so these nations feared the Lord. They feared Jehovah. They had heard about him. They had seen what he could do. And they served their graven images. And I I bring this up for an illustration to us this morning because I I can hear the truth as we're pondering it this morning. I can uh, know that there's one God and that he is the creator and that he sent his son to die for my sins and he took my sins away and he's created, he's prepared a place for me in glory and uh, he's given me his word to show me how I ought to live my life and who he is and who I am and I can fear him. I can have a fear for, I I can have a fear for him in the sense that he is eternal and that he knows everything about me and I'm going to give an account to him someday. I can fear him and yet I can go back to my former life, and I can live my life heaping to myself idols, living in covetousness and idolatry. And he says they serve the graven images, both their children and their children's children, as did their fathers, so do they unto this day. This is a generational problem. Grandpa did it. Dad did it. Junior did it. And Junior Junior did it, okay? And what are they doing? They they know who God is. They know who he is. But they, there's a detesting, uh, you know, I'm going to live my life the way we live our life. This is how we Fergusons do it. This is how we, and you put your name in, this is how we do it. And, and, uh, and I say that to you as a warning. This is something that people have missed on in the past. Generations of people have failed at this in the past. Gentile nations knew that the Lord was the only true God, but they were serving their false gods. And then we come to the passage where we're at. Look at verse 13 again. 
He says, you can't serve two masters. Either you're going to hate the one and love the other, or else you're going to hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. One writer wrote this. He said, quote, where riches hold the dominion of the heart, God has lost his authority, end quote. Where materialism holds my heart, I'm not obeying God if I love stuff. Uh, Another author wrote this. He wrote, quote, these two are diametrically opposed, God and money. One commands you to walk by faith, the other to walk by sight. One to be humble, the other to be proud. One to set your affection on things above, the other to set them on the things that are on this earth. One to look at the things that are unseen and eternal, the other to look at the things that are seen and temporal. One to have your conversation in heaven, the other to cleave to the dust. One to be careful for nothing, the other to be to be all anxiety. One to be content with such things as ye have, the other to enlarge your desires. One to be ready to distribute, the other to withhold. One to look at the things of others, the other to look at only one's own things. One to seek happiness in the creator, the other to seek happiness in the creature. He says, is it not plain you cannot serve two such masters? To some degree, we all suffer from being too busy to serve God. Some of us are so busy doing things for God that we fail to do the things of God. Some people are called of God to to specific ministry, but they weigh the call against the cost. And they decide that they can better serve God where they're at. Others clutter their lives with so much materialism that they never have time to listen to God. And the urgent things crowd out the important things and serving God is sheltered or shelved until a better time. We can all give thanks to, for the committed believers throughout that are, that, are, that are mentioned in the word of God and some who were surrounded with this morning who didn't think that fame and success in the eyes of men were as important as God's blessings. You see, there's coming a day where all of us are going to give an account to him. We're going to be evaluated by how we followed Christ. What did he do with what he had? He did as his father had commanded him to. How, what are we doing with what we have? what he has given to us, what he's, what he's entrusted into your care. And I will tell you, as your pastor, I do look out at this congregation. I do watch you serve. I don't know what anybody gives within Trinity Baptist Church, but I have watched you all give faithfully. I've watched you all give to the missionaries as they came in, and you love them abundantly. So I do not stand here rebuking you, though in any kind of a sermon there's reproof and rebuke and exhortation all wrapped in there. But I have watched you love the Lord and follow him. I have watched you turn away from your own desires and follow Christ's desires. And so as your pastor, I'm encouraging you, let us lay up treasure in heaven. Let us deny ourselves and let us follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us not ask him for more, but let us be faithful with what he has given to us and entrusted into our care, 
knowing that he will entrust us with more if we are faithful in that which is least. And then let us serve him faithfully with that. I desire that each one of us will hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. So what kind of a steward are you? Are you faithful? Are you ready to stand before the Lord? Are there some things that need to change? Money is a test, isn't it? It's a test of our attitude toward others. Are we really pouring it into reaching people who can be friends for eternity? Are we faithful? Are we truly servants of the Lord? Are we obeying him? Look at verse 14. And you might ask yourself the question as we think about what is your response? How do you respond? And I highlighted this already, but in verse 1 of chapter 16, he speaks to his disciples, his followers, those who were following him. Not perfect people, but his followers. And some of you are that. But then look at verse 14. And the Pharisees. These men are hypocrites. Religious on the outside, but inside They are the enemies of Christ. The Pharisees also, who were covetous, always wanting what they did not have, they heard all these things, and they scoffed. They derided him. That was their response. They heard Jesus' words, Don't lay for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Don't be like this unjust steward who's been given so much, but really cared only about himself. Be a faithful steward. Lay up treasure in heaven. Don't live for the now. Follow Christ. Live for eternity. And you know what the Pharisees did? That is so ridiculous. This guy, this guy, Jesus, he's crazy. He's demon-possessed. What a liar. That's what they said of him. They derided him. And I say to you this morning, and I, and I think to myself as well, how, how will we respond to the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Will we respond in faith, being a faithful steward, or we will respond like the Pharisees? Who, you know, really, you could have talked about something else. How will we respond? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your heads.